Welcome to This is the Jet Life with Dan Burnham, your guide to the New York Jets sports and much more. And now, your host, Dan Burnham. Hello, everybody, and welcome back to another episode of This is the Jet Life. We're officially two days away from the start of the NFL regular season, maybe even one day, depending on when you're listening to this. Three days after that, the New York Jets will be kicking off in East Rutherford, New Jersey, to take on the division rival Buffalo Williams in a clash of hope-to-be Titans of New York. There's so much to be excited about, so much optimism around this Jets team. There's no better way to share the positive energy with the world than a 2019 New York Jets kickoff special. We're going to take this podcast places we've never gone before to make sure that we're prepared for week one's wonders. I'm going to start by recapping the 53-man roster and how it came to be. Add in another 11 guys to the practice squad, we got ourselves a team. We'll take a nice look at what's on tap, and then start previewing the season, starting with the AFC as a whole and working into the Jets' first quarter of the season. Then, after my dad shares his thoughts via this week's father time, I'll make five predictions for the New York Jets this year, ranging from not-so-bold to pretty darn bold. Then I'll make my game-by-game predictions, leading to my guess of our overall team record. Lastly, we'll preview the Buffalo Bills, what they're all about, and how to brand those overgrown cows property of New York Jets. So without further ado, let's begin the 2019 New York Jets kickoff special. And before I do that, may I remind you to please rate, review, and subscribe to this podcast via whatever platform you're using to listen to it. You may follow me on Twitter as well, at Jets underscore Dan. All feedback, all reviews, all that good stuff is greatly appreciated. So I thank you. Now to begin with the 53-man roster. So let's start with the players that got cut. We finished preseason game three, finished preseason game four, and even though I personally thought I had a pretty good gauge on who was going to be cut, there still were some stuff that uh, that shocked me. Now one of those shocks was not Taylor Bertolette. This guy played terrible, and he was the first guy to go. Should have been gone way earlier. Should have had competition with him in preseason all along. We never had it. He had a terrible last, uh, last game at the New York Jets. Goes one for four. He gets cut. What are you going to do? No kicker. Ja'Kai Polite, third-round pick from Mike McCagnan. He was so bad, not only did we cut him, but he went unclaimed on waivers. That means that this third-round pick, who was supposed to be potentially a first-round talent that made it to the third round, Mike McCagnan, ooh, maybe he got a steal. This guy's got so many attitude problems and is just so unwilling to adapt to whatever they're trying to do on defense that it's not even worth having him on the team. Not only that, but no team thinks it's worth having him. The Seattle Seahawks put him on their practice squad, wouldn't even give him a contract. They put him on the practice squad, and he can be claimed by any team at any time. They're literally like, if you want him, take him. We'll put him here. That's the same team that just traded for Perry Nickerson, our awful wish-to-be nickel cornerback that has never learned to cover, never learned to tackle, and almost had more arrogance than Kyle Wilson on the field when he played. Uh, I can't believe that we were able to trade Kyle Wilson to that same Seahawks for a conditional seventh-round pick. Sure, it's not for a while. We're not going to use that pick, and it's a conditional seventh, but honestly, that guy was getting cut, and at some point, who knows? Maybe you'll want the draft capital. Other guys that were cut. Eli McGuire. He was a guy that was here for a couple of years, and, you know, sad to see him go, but obviously it was to make room for some other players that may be able to bring a little bit more to this roster. Eric Tomlinson, the blocking tight end who can't catch and can't block that well. Deontay Burnett, a fan favorite cut. USC, 
Sam Darnold's target from college came on late at the end of last season, made some nice big plays. A lot of people liked him, wanted to see him on the roster. He gets cut. Sharon Peak, wide receiver, never really became much as a receiver, but was kind of a special team specialist. We found replacements for him. He's gone. Tim White, a guy that plays receiver. A lot of guys were looking at in training camp saying, ooh, he's really standing out. Let's see what he can do. Unfortunately, he had a terrible preseason, never got anything going in the punt return game or in the receiving game. He inevitably gets cut. James Burgess, a middle linebacker who had had a pretty good preseason overall, made a few big plays, including a pick six, a couple batted balls, and honestly, with the way the Jets' middle linebacker core had been depleted with the Avery Williamson loss, you thought maybe he'd have a chance. But when it comes down to it, Joe Douglas decides to get rid of not only James Burgess at middle linebacker, but also Anthony Wynn. So now, neither of those guys are here. Marcus Cooper, a guy the Jets had added at the cornerback spot somewhat recently who'd had history playing in the league, he's gone. So you're like, all right, geez, now we've got no corners. Middle linebackers are thin. We cut uh, Derek Kindred, a safety the Jets had brought in that a lot of guys had scheduled to be on this 53-man roster. He wasn't able to do enough to, to convince the New York Jets that he'd be the answer. So we cut all those guys. And there's a bunch of other players that were cut as well that are not talked about as much that aren't as important that I don't think will be missed nearly as much. And we traded Nickerson for that conditional seventh round pick. And then we started making some moves, right? We had to start, all right, we cut a bunch of players, but now let's make a little bit more room on the roster. How do we do that? We put some guys on IR. Some guys are suspended. So suspensions, we got Brandon Copeland suspended for four games for PEDs. We got Chris Herndon suspended for four games for DUI. Brett Qualley, a bad Turngate-style offensive tackle. We put him on IR, so we don't have to deal with him for a while. And then Blashawn Austin, the rookie draft pick by Mike McCagden this year, late in the draft, he goes on the non-football injury list. So that opens up four more spots. So now we can start filling this team out. We fill out our practice squad. First big addition, Joe Douglas takes running back from the Eagles last year, Josh Adams. This guy had 511 rushing yards last year, three touchdowns, and a 4.3-yard average. It's pretty darn good for a guy going onto the practice squad. So he's behind, you know, we got a plethora of guys ahead of him right now, but you feel good knowing that in some sort of emergency, you're not going to be relying on Trenton Cannon to actually run the ball for a large portion of the game. You'll bring in a guy like Josh Adams to do that. Practice squad Greg Dortch, a guy that everybody was sure was going to be the punt returner, myself included. I said week one, it's going to be Greg Dortch versus Andre Roberts, and Greg Dortch is going to have a better return game. That was my big prediction. Greg Dortch actually gets cut. We end up signing him to the practice squad, so he's back here right now, and he's going to be our, uh, you know, our punt return man in waiting. We put on the practice squad Luke Falk, who had a pretty good preseason as a Jets backup quarterback. He just, you know, dinks and dunks a lot. He doesn't have the arm to, uh, to really be a number two quarterback. I think that in time, if he gets a little bit more confidence in his arm and is able to make some more throws downfield, get it out of his hand quicker, then maybe he can move up. But for now, he's a good practice squad guy. Valentine Holmes, we get him, the Australian rugby star. He's an exemption, so you can have a 10-man practice squad this year. He actually is our 11th guy because due to the International Player Pathway Program, we get to uh, we get to have an extra guy, player who plays another sport internationally and wants to come over and try football. So he's our freebie on the roster. We have C.J. Mosley's brother, Jamie Mosley, who didn't have an amazing preseason, but he's C.J. Mosley's brother, so I guess he gets a free spot. Kyron Brown, he was a uh, one of the cornerbacks that the Jets were impressed with in training camp didn't put much on on tape during the preseason but potentially could be a project we know how thin our secondary cornerbacks specifically are right now and 
maybe he's the guy that eventually is injuries and things inevitably happen as the year goes on he uh he'll be able to fill in at some point maybe not for a while though we got ben braden offensive lineman along with offensive lineman calvin anderson we'll put those guys there in waiting to see if they can develop a little bit more in the practice squad and then tight end ian bunting and a wide receiver who a lot of people are kind of interested in that's jeff smith a rookie out of boston college six foot one 195 pounds this guy's only 22 years old. If he can develop his game a little bit, we'll see if he ends up making his way onto the roster. We've only got five receivers right now, so, you know, well, I guess if you, we have five on the actual 53-man roster, and then we've got Greg Dorch and Jeff Smith on the practice squad. So, you know, kind of a thin position right there, but we'll see what uh, these guys can do. Eventually, there's going to be opportunities for somebody to move up, I'm sure. And I did practice squad before the actual 53-man roster additions because... The way the practice squad works, these are basically guys that were cut and cleared waivers already. So every team in the NFL had an opportunity to try to get them, claim them off of waivers and put them onto their practice squads or onto their rosters. So guys like Ja'Kai Polite went to the Seahawks, Eli McGuire went to the Browns. Some of the better players or players that teams were a little bit more interested in didn't ever get a chance to go onto our practice squad. Not that we would have ever had a spot there for Ja'Kai Polite, but maybe with Eli McGuire, it's something they would have looked at. Um, So... Essentially, all of these 10 players, 11, including Valentine Holmes, were all cut and cleared waivers. So they're not guys to be super excited about. It's not guys that the whole league was chomping at the bit to get. I know we all liked Greg Dorch. I know we liked what he did in the return game. But come on, there are teams that could use a punt returner right now. And they're not saying, let's go get this 5'7 guy from Wake Forest who had a couple nice returns in the preseason for the New York Jets. At the end of the day, these guys, they kind of stay within your system. They're kind of overlooked by the NFL. And maybe one day somebody gets injured. They get the call up, maybe in the next preseason, you bring them back into camp and they can, you know, prove themselves that way. But that's what we did there. So then, aside from those cuts that we made and the practice squad we filled out, we actually made some real additions to our 53-man roster. Guys that are going to be there on game day, they're going to probably have impact on this 2019 season and, you know, maybe sooner than we think. We had, New York Jets had the number three waiver claim for this year because they had the third worst record in the NFL. The only teams with a higher waiver priority where the Cardinals and the San Francisco 49ers. So if it's not the 49ers or the Cardinals trying to take a guy before the Jets, Jets basically get who they want. So what does Joe Douglas do with all this power? Well, we know we got to get a kicker. We just cut Bertolette. We literally don't have one. So who do we go out and get? We get Kare Vedvik. And this is a really interesting one because he was the backup to Justin Tucker for the Baltimore Ravens, and he was kicking lights out this preseason. He's never kicked in a real game, keep in mind. And he was kicking lights out. And it's like, all right, we're never going to get rid of Justin Tucker when you're the Ravens, but we've got this other guy. What do we do with him? So they were looking at trade partners. The New York Jets at this point need a kicker. So the Jets are like, I think we kind of want to get this guy, Kari Vedvik. He's 12 for 13. He's kicked from 56, from 57. He's booting the ball all over the place, making everything. And it's like, oh my gosh, we got to get him. The Vikings swoop in. They trade a fifth round pick for Kari Vedvik. He goes to their camp. Vedvik has a terrible preseason. I think he goes one for four with the Vikings. And inevitably, he gets cut just like a month after being traded for a fifth-round pick. So he goes on waivers, and the New York Jets pick him up. So Kari Vedvik had a very good preseason to start, kicked from distance. Although they were low, he was able to kick from distance. He was really good early on, and then after he changed scenery a little bit, went to Minnesota, he had a bad going. And the New York Jets took a flyer on him. This guy can also punt, which is kind of strange. He's a backup punter for the Lachlan Edwards. And he also is a kickoff specialist, so he'll probably do all of our kickoffs and uh, hopefully yield a bunch of touchbacks. 
But at the end of the day, what he's brought in here for is to kick field goals. And we didn't risk anything to get him here. We didn't even have a kicker on the roster, so we didn't cut somebody to get him. We just put a waiver claim in before everybody else and, and got Kari Vedvik. If he doesn't have a good week one, week two, week three, he's gone. Don't be surprised to see him flounder early and then be replaced by somebody else. Who knows? Maybe Ross Martin comes back. But if this guy comes out and he starts kicking well, kicks from distance, you know, he's going to have to have a really good going. He's on, on thin ice right now. He's a guy that the team does not know. We didn't do anything to get him. We don't really have time to be messing around with missed extra points and missed field goals. So we'll see how he comes out against Buffalo in week one and uh, how long he can stay on this team. Hopefully, I mean, he's young and he showed potential. Hopefully he ends up being our kicker for a long time and it works out great. But uh, we know how kickers are and it's so fluky and, and guys can get hot and then go cold. And if he's cold at the wrong time right now, it's just not going to last long for him. So then who does Joe Douglas go get? we got to replace Greg Dortch because we don't have him as a punt return man anymore. Braxton Berrios, wide receiver out of Miami the U, drafted by the Pats, was cut because they found another guy, Gunnar Olszewski, who's basically the same guy, this like five foot nine white guy who's like another Amendola, Hogan, Edelman, Welker, whatever you want to call it, the Patriots love to get. Basically did the same thing. Was great. It was like Gunnar versus Braxton Berrios for all the preseason. And this guy Gunnar had great punt return skills. He had a couple really nice returns, caught the ball well. They loved the way he carried himself. He was a very professional type of guy, all business and uh Inevitably, they ended up cutting Braxton Berrios, who's a little bit goofier, a little wilder, uh, a little bit more arrogant style of that player. But he's got good hands. They took him in for a reason, and, you know, he just got beat. So the Jets take him. They think that he's going to be an improvement over Dorch. He's a little bit taller, which definitely helps. I think that he may not be as explosive in the return game, but he probably brings more in the receiving game as far as, like, being a backup slot receiver to Jamison Crowder. He's probably going to offer you a little bit more. Hands. I mean, Greg Dorch, five foot seven. You're really gonna have a tough time being a wide receiver in the NFL at five foot seven. You're truly at that point a specialist. And if you're a specialist, you better be damn good at your position if you're taking up a roster spot to do one thing. You better be Andre Roberts, good from last year. And maybe he could have been. Maybe he still can be. But for now, Braxton Barris is gonna get the nod. We're gonna see what he can do. Next guy, the Jets add John Franklin Myers was a rookie for the Rams last year who didn't start but played in 16 games and ended up having some good success. He actually made a, a couple strip sacks and other sacks in the postseason last year for the LA Rams and you know he's a guy that the team over there they liked him they just have a really stacked defense decided to part ways with him. New York Jets pick him up and we'll see what he can do to the defensive line. And then a guy Bennett Jackson who doesn't have much time in the NFL. He's 28 years old and uh We'll see. He's a defensive back. He's like a safety, can kind of play cornerback. He's been a little bit of both, but he hasn't had much success in the NFL. He's getting older. Uh, really not much film on him. Couldn't find a whole lot to be excited about, but maybe the Jets saw something, and they know that they're so thin at cornerback that maybe he can transition into that role. that He played. He did play cornerback in college, came into the NFL as a cornerback, and then transitioned into a safety, kind of. But, I mean, what's the transition if you're actually not playing in games? It's just like you're practicing in a different position. We'll see what he can do. If uh, Greg Williams and the New York Jets can get something out of him, that'd be great. If not, he may be one of the first guys off when somebody else becomes available or we you know, get Chris Herndon back from suspension, Brandon Copeland back from suspension. Then a couple other things that happened. Um, earlier the Jets, earlier before cutdowns, the Jets added Matthias Farley, who's a strong safety that I really like. He played for the Colts, 27 years old. 
He's actually played in 37 games, starting 16 games for the Colts. I mean, the guy's got three interceptions in his career, two forced fumbles. He plays all over the field. He's got some good pass deflections. Um, he's a little inconsistent. The Colts have good safeties, and they decided that they were going to move on from him. But 27 years old, Nate, uh, Matthias Fairley, he makes plays. He moves across the field well, um, and he tackles really well. He's probably going to be Jamal Adams' backup. Maybe we'll bring a lot on special teams and potentially could end up being that Rontez Miles replacement, which uh, could be coming a little sooner than later. And then the last notable move that filled out this 53-man roster was a trade that Joe Douglas made for Nate Harrison, cornerback from the Indianapolis Colts. This guy played for Temple, and uh, we traded a sixth-round 2020 pick for him. The guy's only 25 years old. He's played in 27 games, started 11, a six-foot corner. I mean, the New York Jets need cornerbacks. Harrison, he's not going to be amazing. We're not going to be wowed by him, but the guy's played. He started in games. He's got more experience than any of those guys that were, uh, you know, undrafted rookies the Jets were trying out this year, the the Browns and Mollette and Dee Delaney and all these guys. I mean, at least Harrison's been on the field. At least he's played some games. There's film on him. We know that he can do the job. Not going to be great, but you know what? He's worth a sixth-round pick to get him in there, and, uh, you know, he may end up playing some significant minutes for the New York Jets this year. So quick recap. Guys that we hadn't talked about all preseason that are just now going to be part of our 53-man roster. Names to know, guys to see. John Franklin Myers, defensive lineman. Wide receiver Braxton Berrios. Kicker Kare Vedvik. Defensive back Bennett Jackson. Safety Matthias Farley. And then cornerback Nate Harrison. Those are some guys the New York Jets bring in. So real quick, I'll go through this final 53-man roster so that you know all the names of the guys who are potentially going to be active on game day, week one, against the Buffalo Bills. I apologize if you already know these guys. Uh, if I'm going through this again, you can skip real quick. I'm just going to read the names off real quick just to familiarize everyone and remind them. we got quarterbacks, two of them, Sam Darnold, backup Trevor Simeon. At wide receiver, we got Robbie Anderson, Quinton Nunwa, Jamison Crowder, Braxton Berrios, and Josh Bellamy. Four running backs, Le'Veon Bell, Ty Montgomery, Bilal Powell, and Trenton Cannon. It's worth noting that Ty Montgomery used to be a wide receiver, so technically, even though we're thin at wide receiver right now, Ty Montgomery can slide into that role and do some wide receiver duties if need be. We got uh, a few tackles, Kelvin Beach and Brandon Shell starting, with rookie Chumo Odoga backing up. At guard, we got our starters, Kelechi Osemele and Brian Winters, backups in Tom Compton and Alex Lewis. I actually really like Tom Compton as a backup. He can play center too if need be. Then we've got our centers, newly added Ryan Khalil, who's a great addition, and his backup, Jonathan Harrison. Luckily, he's not starting. Then on defense, super thin at cornerback, we got Trumaine Johnson and Daryl Roberts with Brian Poole at nickel, and then Nate, Nate Harrison, who we just traded for, and Arthur Mollette somehow made the team. I don't know how long he's going to be there before getting replaced, but hopefully he doesn't uh, find himself on the field anytime soon. That guy's a project, if I've ever seen one, and... He's the fifth cornerback right now. He's one injury away from playing significant minutes. Safeties, we got Jamal Adams and Marcus May. Then we got Matthias Farley, Rontez Miles still there, and Bennett Jackson. Outside linebacker, another really thin position for the Jets. This is the edge guy we were looking for. We don't have him. Brandon Copeland suspended. We're going in there with Jordan Jenkins, Frankie Luvu, Terrell Basham, Harvey Lange. And... I mean, you're not looking at a lot of sacks in there. Jordan Jenkins is going to be the big guy. Hopefully, Frankie Luvu comes out. But, you know, that's a, a tough spot for the New York Jets right now. Linebackers, we got C.J. Mosley. No Avery Williamson since he uh, is out for the season. But backups would be Blake Cashman, Neville Hewitt, and then Albert McClellan, who's a special teams specialist for his career. We got defensive linemen. Uh, the tackles are going to be Leonard Williams, Quinnen Williams, 
Steve McClendon, Folorenzo Fadakasi makes the team, and somehow Nathan Shepard escapes on the roster. I don't know what they saw, something that no one else saw, apparently, but uh, they're holding on to him for now. He may be one of the first guys gone if a new addition is made. Defensive ends, Henry Anderson, Bronson Kafusi, John Franklin Myers, who we just added, and this young guy, Kyle Phillips, who impressed in the last couple of preseason games, and hopefully uh, we get to see a little bit more out of him. we got a really deep defensive line right now between the tackles and the ends, and uh, it's probably one of the strengths of this team. Hopefully they can get after the passer, make a pass rush up the middle, and get some uh, pressure from our edges, be- or from our ends, because the edges are probably not going to be getting back there all too frequently. I think I forgot tight end in there, probably because the tight ends are just the worst. It's Ryan Griffin, Daniel Brown, and Trevon Wesco. Chris Herndon suspended, so we're going with those three. None of them showed anything in the preseason. Trevon Wesco can block, but really not that well. He honestly, at this point, is just like an Eric Tomlinson with no experience. And we're going in there with Ryan Griffin, Daniel Brown. I wouldn't be surprised if the Jets don't use the tight end all that much in game one, um, at least until Herndon's back. They're probably going to try to phase it out as much as they can. But then special teams, we got Lachlan Edwards as our punter, Kari Vedvik as our kicker, and Thomas Hennessy comes back as our long snapper. So that's the 53 men on the New York Jets roster. They won't all be active for game day. You can only suit up 46. So you'll see some injured players, some healthy scratches. Those are the guys we have to choose from, though, before making more additions or moving people up through the practice squad and, and things like that. All right, so before we move on to the AFC predictions for the New York Jets and uh, Buffalo Bills preview. We're going to take a quick pit stop at the cooler for a little what's on tap. That is right. It's what's on tap. My favorite section where I talk about what I'm currently drinking for this episode. And today it's something pretty lame, honestly. Um, it was a long weekend. You know, had an extra day off, a lot of boozing in there, a lot of fun. Don't regret any of it, of course, until this morning you wake up and uh, my throat is sore. I'm not feeling well all day at work. I'm like, oh my gosh, I cannot go home and drink beer. I got a fluid, fluid the heck up. I got to get some electrolytes and all this. So I come home, I grab a Gatorade. I mix in a little bit of Tito's and I got myself a cocktail. So right here I have what the young kids are calling Faderade. Faderade uh, is basically vodka and Gatorade and the kids get faded. It's a, a term they use to call kind of just getting getting drunk and not remembering everything and it's very popular with them because Gatorade is super convenient everybody has that parents are packing it for soccer games for t-ball practice and whatnot now you can just add a little vodka into it keep it in that Gatorade container and there you go inconspicuously enjoying a delicious Faderade I'm doing it here uh I'm both healing up my throat you know getting uh getting hydrated a bit and then also of course getting the benefits of the Tito's so Tito's is a wonderful handmade vodka that uh, is very popular around here. Always have it on deck, and it's super smooth, super smooth. So I put in three milliliters of a 40% Tito's. I did the math. I think I'm, I'm drinking about a, a 5.3% alcohol beverage here on 23 milliliters. And, uh, and yeah, so you're talking about, like, you know, a lighter beer, but it gives you what a beer doesn't. It gives you the electrolytes. It gives you the energy. It's making me feel, I feel amazing right now. You know, my throat is getting better. I'm feeling like, you know, I can feel the what the athletes feel coursing through their veins, you know, for, for big games. This is what fuels the New York Jets. Le'Veon Bell drinks Gatorade, and that's what I'm doing now. So I feel pretty cool doing that, of course, and then uh, and then getting a little bit of the, the boost from the Tito's. It's a Gatorade Blue, Glacier Freeze, one of my favorites. Uh, I try to stick to the, the primary colors, the red, blue, and yellow. Those are the kind of the standbys. The secondary colors, 
they get a little bit wonky and weird. I think they try to get a little bit too creative, you know, looking for new recipes and stuff. The old classic, Glacier Freeze, Blue Gatorade, clear Tito's, can't notice it in there at all. And, uh, and yeah, a nice Vaderade for today. I will be going back to, uh, to beer, I'm sure, next week, Tuesday, whatever we got left over from game day, if any. We will uh, hopefully get back on track to, to nice, you know, carbonated beverages again. All right, so that was what's on tap. Now we're going to take a look at the AFC as a whole before getting into the New York Jets. This is kind of my rationale to why this New York Jets season means something and why there's a possibility that they make the playoffs. So playoffs to me is not, this isn't like a make or break season for the New York Jets, for Joe Douglas, for Gates. They don't have to make the playoffs this year. We were a terrible team last year, third worst record in the NFL, and we're trying to get back on track here, right? Winning eight games, nine games, being in the playoff hunt at the end would be a big boost. Yes, the New York Jets have holes in the team. We have very, very thin edge rushers, very, very thin at cornerback. Our offensive line could be better. Wide receivers could be better. A million things you can think of. We're not a perfect team. If we were a perfect team, if we had all those things handled and we had the cornerbacks and we had the edge rusher, we would be looking to be a playoff team. We'd be looking to, you know, take the throne from the Patriots this year. But that's simply not the case right now. We have holes, but we're moving in the right direction. And when the year is over, as long as we can keep to just a few holes, figure out what they are, and find a few bargain players at those positions, then we'll be talking about a real playoff contender, you know, going for a deep run in the playoffs. But either way, this is a season that the New York Jets can be competitive and can potentially look for a wild card spot at the end of the season. So looking through the AFC, just trying to kind of figure out how it's possible to get there. Let's right away eliminate a couple teams. In the Jets division, we'll take out the Dolphins right away. Right, we're going to just do this for convenience sake. Obviously, some of these teams... They have a chance, all of them. I'm not trying to disrespect anybody's teams that haven't played yet. We haven't seen any of the product on the field, and there's always a few underdog teams that end up having a breakout year. But, you know, for fun's sake right now, let's just look real quick. Miami Dolphins, we'll take them out. We'll give the New England Patriots the division. So it's between us and the Bills. Got two teams. We'll go to the AFC South. I think between... We can take out the Colts now. Andrew Luck retired. They're done. Between the Titans, the Texans, and the Jaguars... We don't know who it's going to be. Guess is the Texans. Next guess, Jaguars. Maybe Titans. But at the end, one of those teams is going to win it. The other two teams, probably not. So we'll take one team from that division. We'll call the Texans right now. We'll take everybody else out. Boom. So through two divisions, it's just the Bills and the Jets in, in play right now. Let's check over at the AFC North. We'll take out the Bengals. Boom. They're done. And now we'll say, all right, Baltimore Ravens, Steelers, and then potentially, I guess, the Browns, with all the hype they've got, could be a playoff team. So we've got maybe three there, but one's going to win the division, so only two. Only two will be fighting for that wild card spot. So now we've got four teams. We'll call the winner the Pittsburgh Steelers. It's Jets, Bills, Ravens, Browns right now, fighting for a wild card spot. We go to the AFC West. I think really quick, let's just take off the Denver Broncos. No offense to anybody here. And then we'll crown the division to the Kansas City Chiefs. Then looking at the Oakland Raiders and Chargers, I think we say we've watched enough hard knocks right now to not believe in the Raiders at all. So let's take them off the list, and we'll say the Chargers are competing for a wild card spot. That gives you five teams. Jets, Bills, Ravens, Browns, Chargers. Bills could easily have not that good of a year. One of these other teams, you know, two teams of these five are going to make it as a wild card. If the Jets beat the Bills in week one, we already got the upper hand on them. We have the opportunity to play them in our division twice and really separate ourselves from them. So we'll take the Bills out real quick. Four teams, 
New York Jets. We play the Ravens this year. We play the Browns this year. And at the end of the day, the New York Jets are going to have a chance. Things happen. Now, the NFL is fluky, and any one of these teams, I, I went through this really quick just for, for fun's sake, but how we're looking at it right now, it looks like potentially in the AFC, there is a pathway for the New York Jets to make it. And the AFC is not as loaded as the NFC right now. So wildcard spots may be available. All right, so this is where the 2019 New York Jets kickoff special really starts to take it up a notch, right? We're really starting. We're on the, the fringe of the season right now. I'm not recording another podcast episode until after the Bills game. There will be real NFL games played, and the New York Jets will have a record of 1-0 or 0-1, either building on momentum or trying to come out of a hole early on. We're going to be in a totally different place. So right now, I mean, we this is our chance to really look at the season and see, all right, what do we have ahead of us? We're going to start with the first quarter of the season because I always like to look at the season in quarters. And in reality, this is probably the weirdest quarter of the entire season. And it's weird for a few reasons. One, we start at home against the Buffalo Bills. So this is like that interesting game right away against Josh Allen at home, division rival with Sam Darnold. It's like all this excitement and stuff goes in. You're already going to be excited about week one regardless of who you're playing, but make it a division rival at home who's like the quarterback that was drafted right after your quarterback the year before and all the changes and the positivity around it. I mean, Buffalo Bills, boom, crazy game. Then a Monday night game, week two against the Cleveland Browns. It's a really tough game, and they added a bunch of pieces. They added a bunch of guys to that roster, and they got big-name dudes. They beat us last year on that Thursday night game where Baker Mayfield made his big coming-out party and, and replaced Tyrod Taylor, and then, you know, that was the end of that. Then week three... After a weird Monday night game against Cleveland, we go to New England to play the Patriots for, you know, the hardest team that we play all year. And it's like, all right, now we got to go to we got to go to New England. We got to play them there. You do want to play the Patriots early in the season because they usually take a little bit of time to get going, but, you know, that's a tough game no matter what. And then a week 4 bye. The earliest bye you can possibly have. Just like, all right. We played these tough games. We just played on Monday night. We go into New England. Now we have our bye. We come out of it, and we play against Philadelphia, a team that the Jets play every four years, was in the Super Bowl recently, and Joe Douglas was the vice president of player personnel over there, and now he's going to play against them in Week 5. So this first quarter is crazy. Buffalo, Cleveland, Monday Night Football game, New England, Philadelphia, in Philadelphia. So Joe, Joe Douglas is going back there. The end of this whole thing, I think this is the toughest, probably the toughest stretch of games for the New York Jets. I mean, they have the bye week in there to help them out, but I would say win for Buffalo. That Cleveland one, it just, I already have this pit in my stomach of watching, I can't stand Baker Mayfield, and just watching him on Monday Night Football do his thing with his little mustache and, and throwing his hands all around and dancing and stuff, it's going to drive me crazy, and I already feel that pit in my stomach, so I'm giving it the L there because I can't, I, I have to go in with such low expectations anyway because it'll really destroy me if they end up losing that game and I think they're going to win. Then the Patriots in New England early in the year, Got to give that one a loss. Bye week, Jets have time to recoup, but Philadelphia, they're just a step ahead of the New York Jets. The Jets are taking their, you know, assistant front office people to be our full front office people because the Eagles have been doing it right. Because of that, they have a really good team, a lot of depth. I think the Jets lose that game as well. They start this whole thing one and three and get rid of the bye in there. So not a great start. That's what my prediction is. But if we can come out of this thing 2-2, two and two, honestly, with the way the rest of the schedule is, we're going to get into the schedule later. But the way it is, I think that you can get some damage done if the Jets can go 2-2. Two and two. Maybe they can maybe they can sneak one away from uh, Cleveland and Philadelphia 
one of those two. And that, of course, that's assuming that they can beat Buffalo, which is definitely not a gimme game. All right, so that is the first quarter of the season for the New York Jets. All right, so moving on, I'm actually really excited to share my five predictions for the New York Jets 2019 season. But before that, I got to do a quick stop at the section Father Time, where my dad, David Burnham, gives me his thoughts and feelings on the New York Jets for the week, and uh, I shared them with you because, like I always say, my dad and I watch every game together. He's the other biggest Jets fan I know for everything that I think and everything that he thinks. It's just kind of like one mind of New York Jets thoughts. We constantly are having just long, you know, we try to talk and just say, hey, what are you doing this weekend? What are you doing for the game? It ends up being a two-hour conversation about what the Jets need to do with their backup offensive line positions. And uh, so, yeah, all this time spent talking to him and everything, I have him get involved tell me what he's thinking of this week and last week we had a nice section on what greg williams is going to do with the defense this week i say all right dad doing father time want to know what you got send me something sends it over here it is i'm going to read father time read by dan burnham chase winovich end scene that's it he just writes chase winovich and this one's obvious to me, because he's mentioned Chase Winovich for a long time. He's a guy out of Michigan that's an edge rusher that my dad really liked, ended up getting drafted by the New England Patriots. And the Jets, instead of taking Chase Winovich, who my dad was sold on from the very beginning, got to get Chase Winovich, the Jets take Ja'Kai Polite. And Polite was so freaking bad in his interviews, in his attitude with Florida, that nobody wanted to draft him. We get him in the third round, and the new general manager in front office comes in here, and they can't stand the guy, can't see any reason to keep him on the roster at all, cut him, he clears waivers, goes to the Seahawks. So Ja'Kai Polite is one of the worst draft picks the Jets have ever had, and instead of taking him, the they could have had Chase Winovich, who's going to end up being a good player for the New England Patriots probably for a long time, and my dad knew it all along, and he told me when it happened, he said it was a mistake taking Polite, should have been Winovich, the whole thing. I mean, this was the guy that he was big time on, and the second that uh, Ja'Kai Polite got cut like this, it was just like, I knew I was going to be getting something, something for the field. I just saying, like, what the hell? Chase was there. How could we find a guy that's this bad, this freaking bad, that couldn't even be picked up off of waiver claims in the NFL? We take that guy. We were able to trade Perry Nickerson for a pick. Couldn't do a darn thing with Ja'Kai Polite. Nobody even wanted him with a waiver claim. And so, yeah, Chase Winovich is this week's father time. You're going to watch him in the Patriots. Probably going to watch him succeed. He's the guy with the really long blonde hair. So he's definitely a guy that should have been taken over Ja'Kai Polite, and it's even more obvious now because Chase Winovich is still on a team, and a rather good one at that. He's probably going to be uh, he's probably going to be playing some meaningful playoff games, and Ja'Kai Polite will probably not be playing many meaningful games in the NFL at all, if any. So that was this week's Father Time. Now moving on to my 2019 predictions. Everybody's asking me all the time, Dan, do more hot takes. Try to make some more bold predictions and stuff. I'm not big on that stuff. I like to do more fact analysis. I like to do recaps, talk about what happened, what we're doing. Kind of just get everybody in the same boat for like, all right, why why are we here? What happened to get us here? And, you know, it's important to me to know all the players on the roster, all that stuff. Make sure that everybody else is informed about that stuff as well. But I'm not one to make big, bold, ballsy predictions. But this week, I got a few because I'm super hyped for this team. And in the spirit of all the optimism that I have, I decided not to do any negative ones. I had a few at first, like some bad predictions. And I was like, this is dark stuff. I don't even want to get this stuff published out there. So I did positive ones only. And I wouldn't be surprised if every single one of them came true. First one. This is a really bold one. 
the Jets finish second in the AFC East. So Patriots finish first, the Jets finish in second, ahead of Buffalo and Miami. That's not bold at all. That's just something that I think is going to happen, and I'm pretty confident in that. Number two, Robbie Anderson gets 1,000 yards for the first time in his career and the first time the Jets have had a 1,000-yard receiver since Eric Decker and Brandon Marshall. His best year ever, contract year for Robbie Anderson. We see more from him. We see a bigger route tree. We see strong hands. We just got to get him on the field. But this guy this year going for over 1,000 yards. Prediction three, Henry Anderson leads the team with double-digit sacks. That's right. Henry Anderson comes out here with 10-plus sacks and has the most on the New York Jets. The defensive line is going to have to bring the pressure this year because we don't really have the Etrudger to get there. It's going to come from the ends. It's going to come from the tackles. It's going to come from Jordan Jenkins and then blitzes from Nichols and middle linebackers and stuff. Realistically, Henry Anderson's the guy that you can see getting there, and with the season he had last year, the way he's grown and keeps getting better every year and staying healthy, I think you could easily see him getting 10. Fourth one. Le'Veon Bell gets 2,000 yards from scrimmage. Yeah, 2,000 yards from scrimmage. You're talking about 1,400 rushing yards, 600 receiving yards. Or 1,300 rushing yards, 700 receiving yards. You're talking about a ridiculously insane season. It has happened before, and Le'Veon Bell is the guy to do that. He's got a lot to prove. He's got fresh legs. He's learned the game. He's in a new offense with an offensive mind, Adam Gase. He's coming out here with a chip on his shoulder. If he didn't if he didn't need one, the guy was already probably top two, three running backs in the NFL when he was playing. And all of a sudden, like people start doubting him, and he gets really healthy. And it's like, oh, well, what are we going to see now? I mean, the New York Jets maybe don't have quite as good an offensive line as the Pittsburgh Steelers, but over the past couple of months, it's gotten a lot better. It's gotten a lot better. And Le'Veon Bell is a really good, patient running back who's going to find opportunities. He's going to be in there in the receiving game. He's going to be running the ball. 2,000 scrimmage yards. Mark it down. And then number five, Chris Herndon leads the New York Jets in receiving touchdowns. Probably somewhere around seven or eight. Why is this one so bold? Because he's suspended the first four games. He's not even playing 25% of the season. Still, I see Chris Herndon coming out here, getting the most receiving yard touchdowns on the team. You know, like I said, that seven, eight touchdown range. Not a lot of guys I see out there competing for red zone targets. Robbie Anderson, maybe he gets, you know, five or six. Crowder could get a few. Same with Anunua. Definitely a few from the running backs, Ty Montgomery, Le'Veon Bell. I see Chris Herndon coming back out here, picking up where he left off. He had, what, a three-game touchdown streak last year as a rookie? He's going to be itching to play, ready to get that Sam Darnold connection back. We're going to have had the tight end spot basically missing from our team's existence for the first four weeks. And then Chris Herndon's going to come back and be like, holy moly, let's get the ball to this guy. We're going to have a red zone target. We're going to have a guy when we start getting down, you know, down in that dirty spots. He's going to be getting in there, getting gritty, getting up there and catching that ball. So Chris Herndon leads the team in receiving touchdowns. Those are my five 2019 New York Jets team predictions. So now, the next prediction, the only one that's really left, is the regular season record. We go through it game by game. We already did the first quarter of the season. Buffalo, Cleveland, at New York, at Philadelphia. Win, loss, loss, loss. Jets are 1-3 and three at this point. Now, when I made this, and I went through this, it, it's interesting because like there's some stretches 
you'll see coming down this thing where there's like win losses. I didn't want to do it based off of like, well, the Jets have won six games in a row. They probably should lose one here somewhere in the middle. Let's just put a loss in there. Let's make them lose to Miami. Like, that doesn't make any sense. The Jets are going to beat Miami. We're not going to make them lose to the Washington Redskins just for the sake of like, that's too many games to win. It's like, if these are teams that we should beat, we're going to mark them down as a win. Sure, things happen in the NFL. The Jets are probably not going to go on any ridiculous win streaks. But if we beat the teams that we should be able to beat, in my opinion, this is where we're going to end up. And maybe we lose one of those games. But maybe we pick up one we didn't think we'd get. Here we go. Second quarter of the season. Starts week six. We had the bye. So it's Dallas at home. I'm going to say that's a win. I think we can beat Dallas. I think it's a, a too simplistic style offensive team for the New York Jets to have too much trouble. And our offense can overpower that defense. In my opinion, there's a win. The home New England game, Monday, 8-15. Primetime television for everybody to watch. The New York Jets don't play well in primetime. They don't play great against the Patriots. I mean, they do, I guess, get some games here and there. But come on, Patriots have way above 50% winning percentage against the Jets recently. That's a loss. The Jacksonville Jaguars. Now, here's a team the Jets could easily beat because they're not that good. But given the stuff we've done with them in the past and, and the way that they play us, they're a gritty, hard-nosed team. You know, the Jets are not that gritty of an offense, really not that gritty of a defense. Um, I think the Jaguars get the edge in that one. Jets lose it. In the last game of the second quarter, Miami Dolphins. And this here is the turning point of the season because the Dolphins are terrible. This one's in Miami, but I'm still giving the New York Jets a win here. It's a Miami game in November. It's not going to be ridiculously hot or anything. The Jets at this point were 1, 2, we were 3, and 5. And that's not so good. It's looking like, wow, this Jets team is exactly what we thought. It's not that good. They're not fighting for the playoffs. But you know what? When this happens, we go into the third quarter of the season at 3-5. and five. This is the stretch we have. New York Giants at Washington Redskins, home for Oakland, at Cincinnati Bengals. I mean, who are they going to lose to? Giants, Redskins, Raiders, Bengals. Maybe they could lose to the Raiders. Home for the Raiders this team this year? I think the Jets take them. I'm not believing in Derek Carr. I'm not believing in what they're doing over there. So I'm going to say win, 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 win. That puts the Jets in a current five-game winning streak here and makes their overall record 7-5. and five. Now the next game, the start of the fourth quarter of the season, home for Miami. Win. Six-game winning streak. The New York Jets are 8-5 and five right now. Then we go to Baltimore. We probably lose that one. It's a Thursday night game. Tough game in Baltimore, December. There's a loss. Pittsburgh Steelers. We don't play the Pittsburgh Steelers all that well. They're a better team than us. They have been for a while. That's a loss. So now the New York Jets are nine, or eight, I'm sorry, eight and seven. And potentially, we need one win to make the playoffs, stay in the hunt. And who do we end with? Buffalo, in Buffalo, of course, because it always ends this way. Because when you have a good season, you're like, oh my gosh, I think we can make it. You play Buffalo and you lose. And that's what always happens. But not this year. This year, the New York Jets win. They finish at 9-7, and seven, barely missing the playoffs, but showing everybody that if they get a cornerback and an edge rusher, this team is going to be a playoff team right away. Showing everybody that they're ready to get there. And that's what I see from this New York Jets team. 9-7, and seven. sure there's a big win streak in there, but you know what? This Jets team is good, and they're going to catch some fire this year. We're going to see some good freaking football out of this club. All right, so the last thing we got to do, last order of business today in this episode, is just prepping for game one, 
Buffalo Bills. This game is in New York. It's going to be called by Rich Gannon and what's that guy? Kevin Harlan. It's going to be a 1 p.m. game this Sunday coming up against the Buffalo Bills at home. One of two games against the division rival. Now, let's get to know some of these players in the Buffalo Bills team. Who do we got to watch out for? All right, they upgraded their offensive line this last season. They drafted a second rounder, Cody Ford, came from Oklahoma, only 22 years old, was drafted this year to play right tackle, and we'll see what he can do. He's super young, and they're looking to have a right tackle for the next 10 years with this pick. We'll see what we can do against him. We obviously don't have the big edge rush to get there, but maybe Leonard Williams and, and Quinn and Williams can converge on him and use their uh, their power and Leonard Williams savvy to get around this guy. Move around the defensive players, try to throw some things at him with Greg Williams that he's not seen before, take advantage of him. Center, they picked up free agent Mitch Morse, who a lot of the New York Jets fans wanted. We wanted uh, a center big time to replace Jonathan Harrison. Paradise was a lot of people's first choice. Mitch Morse was the clear second. Mitch Morse, uh, he goes to the Bills, so division rival over there. And then Quentin Spain, another guy who plays left guard. Jets were looking at for depth on the offensive line. And, uh, and that's kind of what they have there. It's not an amazing offensive line, but it's definitely improved, and we'll see what they can do with it. Spencer Long is a backup there, and he's absolutely awful. Just wanted to throw that in there real quick. All right, wide receivers. This is something I'm really interested in with this team. They have a strange receiving course. They got their slot guy, Cole Beasley. We know him from Dallas. He's pretty good. Tough hands. Not that fast. Ran a 4-4-9. He should be guardable. Their leading receiver from last year is Zay Jones. He's pretty fast. He ran a 4.45. He got a 6.52 receiving yards last year. Led the team, like I said. And they got a couple freaking speed demons. John Brown ran a 4.34. He's over there. Robert Foster, he ran a 4.41. Isaiah McKenzie, he ran a 4.42. And then their sixth guy is going to be Andre Roberts, who's a special teamer we're going to have to deal with on punt returns and kick returns, who's really good. So you're talking about a couple super serious deep threats. And like John Brown and Robert Foster, maybe even Isaiah McKenzie. You're talking about quick hands and Cole Beasley, and then a decent big up-and-coming target in Zay Jones, who I think, you know, I really wanted the Jets to draft him when he came out. He's had some issues off the field and everything, but he's a pretty good player, and we'll see what he can do this year. It's actually a pretty good receiving core. And why are you so worried about these these speeds? Why did I look into the 40 times of all these guys? Because Josh Allen has one of the best, biggest arms we've seen. The guy was able to throw 50 yards on his knees, and if he can hit John Brown running a 4-3-4. If he gets by our cornerback, who knows who's out there? What if it's Arthur Mollette? What if it's one of these guys? What if Daryl Roberts? You know, he's not the fastest guy in the world. What if he's got to keep up with John Brown running a 4-3-4? Or Trumaine Johnson's got an injury and can't keep up. There's a lot of scenarios where John Brown gets back. we got to make sure that we don't let them take the top off our defense. we got to keep those big plays down and uh, and watch out for stuff. But you know what? They can run, too. They can run over there in, in Buffalo. And... One example, Josh Allen, their quarterback, ran for 631 yards last year. So we played against him and we saw it. We saw him running on us, gashing us for plays. We can't get the pressure. He's looking downfield to make a throw. He's standing all all day in the pocket as his receivers are running deep, 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 and everybody's following him. If we can't get pressure on him, there's going to be a big, big area for him to run, and he's pretty quick. You're going to be relying on a guy like Blake Cashman, Neville Hewitt, C.J. Mosley, someone in the middle to stop him, shut him down, and get there in time. He may get some chunk yardage of that play. You know, they're going to look for the deep ball. And if the Jets want to chase him deep, they better get some pressure. They better get it pretty quick. It's going to be tough. It's New York Jets, right? We don't have the edge rushers to get there. But Greg Williams has some pretty good blitzes. And this is a new, newly assembled offensive line for the Bills. Potentially, there are some chemistry breakdowns. Now, the spot that we're not so worried about is the running game. 
not because it's bad, just because there's nothing that's really scary about it. You play some teams and you're like, ooh, that running back right there, he changes things. A guy like LaShawn McCoy, he changed things, but he's not there anymore. It's Frank Gore, who's a good runner. He's going to get his consistent yardage, but he's not going to be, uh, he's probably not going to be taken over the game. It's not going to be game planned through him. He'll just get his consistent, you know, three, four yards. Hopefully we can keep it to closer to two, three yards when he runs. They had a third round pick this year in the draft out of uh, Florida Atlantic. His name is Devin Singletary. He's only 22 years old, and he's hopefully going to be like that that next guy in the rotation that uh, the Buffalo Bills maybe eventually, when inevitably we assume Frank Gore will retire one day, maybe Devin Singletary is going to be that guy. So as a Jets fan, you're kind of rooting for Devin Singletary not to look that good because if he does right away as a backup, it's like, oh, shoot, he could end up being some really, you know, what if he ends up having a ridiculously good rookie season? comes in, builds momentum, and then it's him and Josh Allen and this young Buffalo Bills nucleus growing together. You know, it's a dangerous proposition there. So Devin Singletary, we'll see what he can do. He hasn't played a live action regular season game yet. We'll see what we get from him. And TJ Yeldon, he's the third string guy. Not that special. Um, The tight ends don't scare me that much. Tyler Croft, Lee Smith, nothing crazy there. It really is going to come down to, you know, I think the Jets can stop the run pretty well, but make sure that they you know, allow their strengths to be strengths. Don't let them gash us. Got to get pressure on Josh Allen and can't let him run. And don't get beat by the deep ball. The Jets can do that. Hey, probably pretty good. Looking at their defense, some big names to know. Their first round pick is uh, Ed Oliver. He came out of the University of Houston and he's had a really good camp. People were looking at him for the New York Jets. You know, maybe he would be the pick. People were saying like, that'd be crazy because Ed Oliver was projected to be like, the fourth, fifth, sixth best player in the draft. Quinn and Williams definitely better. Um, but guys were like, maybe they won't get, maybe Quinn will be gone. They won't get Josh Allen. Maybe they'll go with Ed Oliver. And that was a, a talking point. But he ended up going to the Buffalo Bills and has really impressed them there. We'll see what he can do. He's a defensive tackle that could easily make an impact in this game right away. We'll see what Ryan Khalil can do against the youngster. They got uh, Jerry Hughes. You know, he's had double-digit sacks at the Buffalo Bills two times. He led their team in sacks last year with seven. He's a guy that the Jets fans know very well. He gets back at the passer a lot. He's a good edge rusher. He's getting a little bit older, but, you know, he's good. And they've had a nice rotation of defensive players. they got Shaq Lawson in there, Starla Tule, Ed Oliver, Jerry Hughes. You know, they got nice defensive line. They can get after you. we got to make sure that our offensive line holds up. We haven't seen them play really yet. We haven't really seen this group together. Ryan Khalil, once he touched the field. Not for the Jets. Osemele feels like it's been months since he played. He played this preseason, but, you know, Brandon Shell. It's just we got to get these guys out there and, and make sure that, uh, that they're playing well. So then middle linebacker, maybe their best player on defense, Tremaine Edwards. He was drafted last year. He had 12 pass deflections, 111 tackles, two interceptions. I mean, he led their, their team in tackles last year as a rookie, and we knew coming out that he was going to be really good. He did not disappoint. The guy's all over the field. He can cover. He's fast. He can play the run. Tremaine Edwards is a guy the Jets are going to have to be watching for a long time as long as he's on that team. He's one of their really, really good young players. The other good young player they got, cornerback Tredavious White. He was the first-round pick for them in 2017, and we know him. He's made big plays. He covers receivers very well. He's an up-and-coming, you know, one of the better young cornerbacks in the entire NFL, and we're going to have to deal with him. We'll see if he ends up playing a man game if he goes up against Robbie Anderson. We may have to utilize Jameson Crowder more. Maybe we're going to have to use Quincy Nunwa and do some more stuff. You know, we don't have a tight end in this game, really. And Robbie Anderson's coming back from a little bit of an injury. Hopefully he's going to play. We'll see. Tredavious White, we need as many weapons out there as we can to try to 
kind of dilute his ability to shut a guy down. And other than that, they got really young cornerbacks. You know, they got a nickel cornerback, Teron Johnson, 23 years old. They got a cornerback, Levi Wallace, the other starter, 24 years old. These guys are all getting good together, and they have a pretty good secondary when it comes down to it. You know, Micah Hyde at that free safety spot. Their second leading tackler was their strong safety, Jordan Poyer. Pretty good players. When you look at that defense, you're like, all right. There's not a lot of starters that I don't like on there. It's a... Uh, it's going to be a tough task. I think the New York Jets have a really good offense. I think Le'Veon Bell, the upgraded offensive line, the the sort of different balanced approach of receivers that we've got with like the speed of Robbie Anderson, the power of Quincy Nunwa, the shiftiness of Crowder in the slot. Ty Montgomery can be like any position. Le'Veon Bell can be a wide receiver or a running back. It's like I, I really like the way that they're going to work through these things. With Adam Gase's, you know, really strategic offensive mind, he's going to be able to use all that stuff. But, uh, we haven't seen it. We haven't seen it yet. Since we got there, at the end of this whole thing, I just want to talk keys to the game for the New York Jets. If the Jets are going to win this game, they're going to have to do a few things. They're going to have to mask their deficiency at corner. Right? They're going to have to find a way to make sure that they're getting help from other guys, that they're getting their safeties over top, that nobody's getting past them, and that uh, they can get out of this game without cornerbacks being, you know, really abused. Some of that's going to come from pressure from the defensive line. We're going to have to get pressure from the D-line. We're not going to get it from the edges, really. Jordan Jenkins is a good player. Maybe Luvu can get back there once or twice. But if you want consistent pressure on Josh Allen, you're going to have to pinch him with Henry Anderson, Quinn and Williams, with with Leonard Williams and, and Steve McClendon, whomever's in there, because they're going to be rotating guys a lot. you got to really pinch that pocket, get it small on Josh Allen. Don't give him room to roll around. Don't give him room to look or be comfortable throwing. Defense has to stop the long ball. They have to make sure that they don't give up those big plays, and they can't give up the big runs to Josh Allen. Right? They can't. 40-yard bombs, 50-yard bombs, he's got the arm, and he's got the receivers to do it. He's going to try a few. We've got to make sure that they do not convert, and we can't let him run on us every single time he gets to third and eight, and we're trying to play pass coverage. We can't let him get through it. So we blitz from the left side. Can't let him run to the right. He's fast. So you've got to contain Josh Allen all game. Offensively, you got to let Le'Veon Bell shine. Le'Veon Bell is here to freaking ball. He hasn't played in forever. He's got a big chip on his shoulder. we got to get him out there and let him do his thing. Let him run for 140 yards, two touchdowns, three touchdowns. That would be a great way for him to come out, give him confidence, give the whole team a little bit of juice going forward, and win this game against a division rival that you don't want to call it a must-win because there's no such thing as a must-win in September. But if you want to make the playoffs and be looking for a wild-card spot, you got to beat division teams like the Bills who also may, in that same, may be in that same position. And you got to start it off strong. We have a tough, tough first first quarter, right? Potentially 1-3. and three. I mean, if we lose to the Bills, it's potentially an 0-4 start. you got to let Le'Veon Bell shine. Wide receivers, we got to find a way to replace those tight ends. It's going to come down to those wide receivers and Ty Montgomery and Le'Veon Bell to do their different type of things to make sure that we can keep Robert Griffin and Daniel, jo- uh, Daniel Brown and Trevon Wesco off the field. We don't need those guys playing. I'd rather have Joshua Bellamy in there. I'd rather have... Who knows, maybe even Braxton Berrios in there than those guys. We need to have weapons. we got to make sure that we can spread the ball around and not need to do it through tight end until we get Chris Herndon back. Number three, keep Sam Darnold upright. Obviously, they got a good defensive line over there. they got a couple good linebackers as well. Got to keep Sam Darnold upright. Let's see what this offensive line can do. The big thing for the O-line, no flags and no missed assignments. We know that they're going to have minimal chemistry going into this game. They haven't played together yet. Ryan Khalil's not played next to Osemele. Ryan Cleo's not played next to Brian Winters. 
When's the last time Shell played with these guys? Brian, all, all these guys coming back from injury, they haven't had a lot of time spent on the field together, and they're going up against a pretty good defensive line unit. So no missed assignments, no flags. If the Jets can do all these things, I honestly believe they will win the game. My prediction for this game, 27-16 New York Jets. A good defensive showing, nice offense from the Jets, and Le'Veon Bell shines in this one. Let's go, New York Jets. I can't wait to watch this game. This is going to be, uh, I mean, it's happening. That hole in my heart and in my life is being filled in, finally. New York Jets football, NFL football in general is back. There's something to be excited about every week, no matter what, until December. I don't care if the Jets are 0-12. I'm still super stoked for every single game on Sunday. Because at the very least, you're evaluating for next year. So hopefully when I come back next Tuesday, it's going to be with a win, a 1-0 record, a ton of positivity, and... You know, a lot of excitement going into the Cleveland Browns Thursday night game. It's going to be a short week there. We're going to have to get prepped and uh, and fire into that one with a whole full head of steam. So in the meantime, I'll be on Twitter at Jets underscore Dan. You can always follow me throughout the week. I post little things, and then during the games, I usually have some live stuff going on as well. I try to focus more on the game than tweeting or anything like that. I, I, the replays are important, all of those things, but um, when we do pause breaks and stuff, I like to uh, get a couple things out there, some thoughts throughout the game. So follow me at Jets underscore Dan on Twitter. Rate, review this thing. Appreciate all the support and everything. Let's go New York Jets. We made it. That is our 2019 New York Jets kickoff special. From here on out, it's game recaps and game previews here on out. Let's go New York Jets. I'm Dan Burnham, and this is the Jet Life. <laughs>